Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Well, you ready for the Word? Okay, we're going to get into the Word this morning. And as uh, you heard, we are beginning a brand new series entitled Core Values. Now, each week throughout the summer, we're going to cover or feature a different core value of refuge. And we have 12 core values that actually define how we do life together as a church. And so I want to begin with a word of prayer. And we just want to lift up those in this nation that are affected by the flooding, uh, by the Arkansas River and Oklahoma, other places that have experienced uh, storms, the fires that have broke out in, in the um, Arizona area, uh, it's just devastating in so many ways. It's disrupting people's lives. And people are hurting. People are broken. People are crying out in desperation. And so we just need to be mindful of that as refuge. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. First of all, we thank you for this day that you've given us, an opportunity to minister your word. Father, I pray that you prepare the hearts of the people here to receive. Father, that we can walk in the truth that can empower us to overcome every defeat so that we can experience and taste the victory that you've won for us. Father, we lift up those areas of our country that are affected by storms, those that have lost loved ones, those that have lost their property and homes. Father, we just pray for your peace. We pray for a relief effort from communities, Father, from the nation. Father, those that would respond in the time of desperation, a time of need, we just pray that you would comfort and strengthen those that are affected. And we thank you for harvest, Father, that those that don't know you would come to know you even in the midst of the crisis. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what are core values? I want to start by just talking a little bit about core values because, uh, you know, you hear that term, and a lot of businesses establish core values and how they operate their business. But really, core values are principles that determine behavior and action and actually what a company does and what they provide and, and how they operate. And core values are not only what we provide um, for the community, but it's an internal working of how we deal with people within the organization. And, and regarding regards to a church here at Refuge, our core values are biblical principles of how we do life, how we operate uh, as a church internally, and how we operate as a church to impact the community around us, those that come through these doors for the first time. How do we receive them? How do we welcome them? How do we interact with them? So core values basically... Uh, are statements of belief that we embrace as a body of believers. And so it's important and actually uh, to know your core values. And as we share this, this will help you to better understand the vision of refuge so that you can know, okay, yeah, this makes sense. And some of these core values may be challenging because it, it's really a calling upon us as a, a body of believers in the light of the vision of what God's commissioned us to do and who, are, who we are to be to this city and to the world we live in. And so we're going to show a video, and I just want to give you a little backdrop of this video entitled, What 
is a church? And we actually developed this, and it's a historical overview of the history of, of Refuge. We actually were founded and established in 1984. At that time, the name of the church was Good News Fellowship Church. And 30 years later, out of a prompting and a prophetic mandate from God, we renamed the church with a relaunch to minister with a fresh vision and intensity to impact the community. And, and, and I have to admit that our church had become somewhat insider-focused. And so we were having great life together, but we weren't reaching out and bringing more in to, to be part of what we're doing and, and how we were growing in Christ and experiencing what God had for us. And so one of the things that we had to be willing to do uh, when we changed the name, when we relaunched to become Refuge, was to lay aside our preferences and em embrace God's purpose. And finding out that God's purpose was for us to reach the community, those that don't know Christ, so that they can come into an encounter with Jesus and experience what he has to offer them, forgiveness of sins and receiving eternal life and allowing their lives to be transformed by his power. And so that's become our mission. Now we, and so uh, we also were intentional on being a welcoming church. And even though we welcomed people before, we wanted that to be a real strength as a church, that whoever would come through those doors would not necessarily feel awkward and some, because it's hard going to a church the first time. Uh, but to, made, to be made to feel welcomed and accepted so that we could effectively minister to them and minister to their needs. And so uh, just in, sit back and enjoy this video. Okay. Those 12 statements that you heard at the end are the core values. And so we're beginning with the first one today. And by the way, that video is something that we share at Refuge Life, which is our foundation's a class for those that want to get on the on-ramp to connect and be part of uh, this church. And so I tell you, um, I've been here from day one, and, you know, not many pastors can say they've been at one place for 35 years, but I am truly honored and privileged to serve you and to serve the people that have come through these doors over the years. Our church has served uh, child care needs in our community. We've had uh, about 4,000 children served in our child care facility over these years. Uh, through this uh, school, there's been many lives affected and, and trained over these years. So it's, it's just a privilege to serve. And uh, I'm at the season where I don't want to stop serving, but we want to continue to serve the purpose of God. And, and as we lay out these core values, I believe it's important for us to really pay close attention and allow the Spirit of God to convict your heart and show you how you can be a part of fulfilling these core values in your life. Our first core value that we're going to talk about today is we are a people who cannot be broken. Now you might say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Because it's a qualified statement. It really is. Uh, it's a qualified statement of connection and relationship with Jesus, because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And apart from Jesus, we will remain broken. 
Because we need to understand that every one of us move from a place of brokenness to a place of unbrokenness. But that's qualified because it has to do with our connection, our relationship to Jesus Christ. And once we're connected to him, then we become a people who cannot be broken. No matter what comes, no matter what happens, we will survive. We may go through some junk, some hardships, some difficulties, but we will rise. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movie called Unbroken about the American soldier that was lost at sea, captured by the Japanese, tortured for days, and, and his resilience, his resolve, commitment, I will not give up. He had that in him, and he survived as a war hero. And uh, uh, there's a, a lot to that story. Watch the movie. It will inspire you along these lines. So uh, I tell you, and I, I, I want to talk about this because uh, sometimes we give up too easy. Sometimes we're willing to quit and throw in the towel too easy. We're just willing to say, forget it. I can't fight this battle. I can't deal with this anymore. But, you know, there's something. If you are in Christ and he is your helper, he is your strength, then you can be at a place where you can take a stand and say, I refuse to quit. Uh, one time a minister of the gospel uh, was praying over me, and he said, I have a word for you, Pastor. He says, as long as you don't quit, the devil cannot defeat you. And, you know, that word really ministered to me because I've been at places in my life where I've been tempted to quit. I've wanted to quit. And sometimes I thought I did quit. <laughs> Have you ever been there? You know, in those broken times where you've been dealing with something, whether it's addictive behavior, some stronghold in your life, and it seems you just can't rise up and overcome it. And you're discouraged, you're defeated, I just can't win this battle. But guess what? The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. You get up again. Don't stay down. Don't stay defeated. Because as long as you refuse to quit, you will not be defeated. And so I, I believe that's so important. And, and as we unpack this message this morning, what does it mean to be a people who cannot be broken? Well, it means that we are people who will never, 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 never give up or quit when it comes to fighting the good fight of faith. And, and I, I love 1 Timothy 6.12. That's our first verse I want to share with you this morning. It says, fight the good fight. Uh, now, if you have your Bibles there, if you're looking on your device, um, highlight that word good fight. Because a good fight, I, I love that connotation of a good fight because a good fight is a fight that you're inclined to win, okay? Because uh, if it's a bad fight, uh, you most likely have lost or are losing. But a good fight implies that you're winning. You're going to win this, okay? So notice it says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, this is the fight of faith because we place our trust in God. We've confessed Jesus Christ to be our Lord and our Savior. What does it mean to be a, a people who cannot be broken? It means that we refuse to compromise the truth. We refuse to bow to a false God. You know, there's these three young Hebrew men 
called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in the book of Daniel, we see that these three Hebrew young men refused to bow to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. And the law, it became law that if you don't bow to this image, you're going to burn in the fiery furnace. But guess what happened? Those three young men refused to bow. And they were subject to the fire, but guess what? They didn't burn because God was with them in that fiery furnace and delivered them. And I, I love the statement they made because they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, they were respectful. We will not bow to your God because, you know, the allegiance was to the God of heaven, you know, the one true God. It says, but know this, we may burn in your fire, but we won't bow to your God. They were ready to lay their life down because they were refusing to compromise And yet God met them in that furnace and delivered them. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. What does it mean to be a people that cannot be broken? It means we will look to God who is our strength and who has made us more than conquerors. And we'll talk about that a little later in the service. But I want you to think about this for a moment. When we think of unbroken, what comes to mind? Now, there's a negative sense, there's a negative connotation to this as well. From a negative sense, something that is unbroken is something that's wild. Something, for example, a horse that's not trained. A horse that's not rideable because they haven't been broken. They haven't been conditioned to bear a rider on their back. And so, uh, a lot of times, unbrokenness can, can be uh, related to someone who's stubborn. Stubbornness, resistance, rebellion. All these things can be associated with the negative sense of unbroken. Now, in the Hebrew, the word broken is defined as this. And I'll I'll read this definition to you. It's defined as to frustrate, to break down, either by violence or by confusion and fear. That's the word broken in the Hebrew. And so, question, is anyone frustrated? Is anyone breaking down? Is anyone in confusion or fear? Maybe you may be broken in your life. And maybe you're broken in some areas in your life that you need God to intervene. And so just because you are at refuge and and you are dealing with some brokenness, that doesn't mean you can't be a people who cannot be broken. But it's rising up and embracing that mandate for your life. That I will become, or I will be a person who cannot be broken, not because of who I am, but because of who Christ is in me, is, okay? Now, however unbroken defined, I like this definition, is undisturbed, unimpaired, whole, and intact. So if something's unbroken, that means it hasn't... You know, the vase hasn't been dropped to the floor yet and shattered, okay? It's still intact. It's still whole, okay? It's unbroken. And, and see, more, all of our lives have been broken and shattered because of sin. And the consequences of sin have, have messed us up big time. But God has a way of picking up the pieces and putting us together because he's the healer of the brokenhearted, okay? And so that's exciting, and that's, uh, I tell you, important. So... Unbroken defined as undisturbed, unimpaired, whole, and intact. 
So we move from a place of brokenness to unbrokenness, from being broken to being made whole. Matthew 14.36, and, and you can just jot that down. It says, and this is Jesus, as it says of him, as many as he touched were made whole. As many as he touched, they were made whole. And, and I tell you, if you want to learn about healing and, and find out about wholeness, there's one thing we deal with is physical sickness and infirmity. But there's also emotional sickness and infirmity that assails us. And I'd recommend you plug in to Joan's class. Where are you, Joan? Joan Grunwald. Oh, back with the kids? Okay. But on Tuesday night after prayer, hey, you can come for prayer at 6 and go right into the healing class at 7. But she's teaching the principles of God's Word on how to receive healing, how to uh, be able to administer healing to others. It's a tremendous class to build your faith and be strengthened in the Word of God and really discover what the Word of God says about the subject of healing. So uh, I know when we think about it, <coughs> habitual sins break us down. And I tell you, in my own personal journey, there's times when I would question, God, how can you love me when I deal with these issues and I can't seem to get victory, how can you still love me? How can you keep forgiving me? That's a question we all ask. But guess what? God's love is greater than your sin. It's greater than your habit. It's greater than your addiction. And it can break that habit. It can break that addiction. It can break that sin. And so God's love is transforming. And it, it can bring deliverance, health, wholeness, and healing to our lives. Now, one sense of the adjective of unbroken means marked by continuous or uninterrupted extension in space or time or sequence, having no gaps or no breaks. Uh, and I'm going to give you an example of an unbroken record. Did you know there's unbroken records in this world? Now, we thought years ago that the four-mile, uh, what is it, record could never be broken. But guess what? It was broken. But I believe there are some records that will never be broken. Uh, for example, the most times struck by lightning. <laughs> this is hilarious. I'm glad it's not me. I don't want to hold this record. Between 1942 and 1977, Roy Sullivan was struck by lightning seven different times. Now, he worked as a, a park a forest ranger, so he was outdoors a lot. So if you're not in that career field, then you're probably not going to beat his record, okay? Um, how about this? The highest fall without a parachute. This is amazing to me. On January 26th, 1972, flight attendant Vesna Volochik was unfortunate enough to find herself on a plane that broke up over former Czechoslovakia. She was the only survivor of the incident and fell 33,330 feet to the ground. Though she was in a coma for 27 days, she amazingly survived the fall. I find that amazing. That's, I'm not going to break that record, are you? <laughs> Don't even try, okay? <laughs> I mean, oxygen alone, how could you breathe that long? That's probably why she went in a coma. 
And maybe because she's just kind of in that coma, she fell, just relaxed and landed in some soft, who knows what, I don't know all the other details. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. 33,000 feet. Okay, no parachute. No, not me. Okay, how about this? The most times a person has been shot and lived. I couldn't believe this one either. An officer, an off-duty detective named Howard Morgan was shot 28 times during a confrontation in 2004 and survived. 28 times. If you look him up, there's a picture of his chest. is all full of these scars. Like, wow. Not one hit the heart. That's, that's kind of amazing, but he survived. Now, how about an Olympic record that is unlikely to be broken? How many of you could guess that one? I believe Michael Phelps, 18 gold medals. No, 18. They say eight, 18 gold medals. Uh, I think that's highly unlikely that that's going to ever be broken. Now, they say that records are meant to be broken, but not all of them. How about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Losing streak in 1976 and 77. 26 games in a row they lost. That first victory when they won after that, people were shouting. The two fans in the crowd were shouting. (laughs) Oh. How about the Detroit Lions? Lost 19 games in a row in 08 and 09. Yeah. And then there's the Carolina Panthers lost 15 in a row in 2001. Yeah. Hopefully that never happens to the Green Bay Packers. I don't believe it ever will. They're just going to get rid of the coach, get rid of whoever they need to get rid of, but they're not going to lose that many in a row, right? All right. So I want to give you a scripture foundation where we stand on this core value. That we are people who cannot be broken. And you can open up your Bibles with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 5 through 10. And I'm, I've always been intrigued by this passage because it really shows God's heart for us. And how he will not allow us to suffer utter destruction if we've given our hearts and lives to him. And so we'll start it in verse 5. And take up this passage. I'm reading this from the New King James Version. It reads, For we do not preach ourselves. Yeah, we shouldn't be preaching about ourselves, right? But Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So get this picture. God commanded light to shine out of darkness. And he has shown that light into our hearts. Uh, So that glory of God in the face of Jesus is reflected in us. Because, you know, not only are we created in his image and likeness, but when we come to him, we're recreated in a new relationship with him when our heart and life is transformed by his power. Now notice verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, uh, pinch yourself in the arm. Uh, That's an earthen vessel. Uh, The scripture is referencing our bodies as an earthen vessel. A vessel is something that holds something. A vessel is a container. A vessel is something you put something inside. 
this uh, water bottle is a vessel. You can put uh, liquids inside of it. You can put other things in there, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, anyway, <coughs> so we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Notice it goes on to say that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, that's referencing God's power in us. The excellence of that power is not of us, but it's of God, but it's in us. Does that make sense? It's of God, not of us, but it's in us. This power is in us. Now, what do we see following this passage is absolutely amazing because it's talking about the things that could possibly happen to you, and we don't wish that they would happen to you, but if they would, let's see what God's Word says. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We may be dealing with pressure. We may be surrounded with pressure in dealing with things that seem to be insurmountable, but they will not crush us, those pressures. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We don't have to be reduced to a place of despair, even though we're perplexed because of what we're going through, the circumstance, the situation. It says, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In verse 10, always caring about in the body, the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. See, that's God's desire. This treasure in earthen vessels, that his life is manifested in us. Now, let me say, or ask you this question. How does that fit when we declare we are a people who cannot be broken? As I said, it's qualified in that it's Jesus who's being manifested in our lives, in these physical bodies. And so, amen, that's pretty strong. See, I believe this passage describes a people who cannot be broken. See, we have this treasure which gives us access to the power of God, that's needed to transform our lives so we can withstand what may come, whatever may come. See, this Bible passage is talking about something we possess in our relationship with Jesus. It will get us through anything. There's nothing that you cannot overcome because you have Jesus in your life. Now, if you don't have Jesus in your life, then you need him. See, Christians, I believe, sad to say, live defeated and discouraged lives very often. It should not be so. I said it should not be so. If anyone, you know, uh, it, it, and I, I think it's because we don't really know we can live victoriously, that we can overcome these things and rise up in victory. <coughs> I think part of it is because we live in a world of broken promises, broken dreams, broken relationships, broken marriages, broken homes, and broken lives. We, we live in a world like that. Society is breaking down, and nobody seems to know exactly how to fix it. Well, you know, Jesus can fix it one person at a time. Amen? Now, interestingly enough, the word broke is also associated with your financial condition. When you don't have any money, you say, I'm broke. And that's, that's part of brokenness, to, to be impoverished, to be in lack, to be without. So let me give you a few statements here. If we are people who cannot be broken, what does that mean for us as a church? Well, it means that we are people 
who are strong in character. It means that we are a people who are full of hope. It means that we are people full of courage. It means that we are people who will walk in love, the love of God. It means that we are people who will dare to believe the truth. It means that we are people who will never give up, never give up, never give up, never quit, never throw in the towel. It means we are people who will resist the devil because we know that God's word says he will flee from us when we resist him. Now, let me just say this. If we are people who cannot be broken, most of us, including myself, did not walk in the door that way. Many will walk in the doors of this church broken. And, but guess what? If they hang around long enough, they won't stay broken. They won't stay that way. They'll come to a place of unbrokenness or brokenness to unbrokenness. See, I believe there's a fighter in each and every one of us. No matter how weak you may think you are, you have fight in you. That's why you're to fight the good fight of faith. To be part of refuge is to bring help to hurting people. See, how do we do that? Well, it's through an encounter with Jesus that one might experience in our gatherings, whether it's a small group, whether it's a Sunday morning or Sunday night, young adults, or whatever gathering we're gathering at. Also through instruction and by training people to live life as a champion, not a victim. To help develop godly character when facing difficult life issues. No matter how many times we may have failed, we can rise up because of Jesus. Failure does not define you. And let me say that again. Your failure does not define who you are. You may fail, but that does not make you a failure. Okay? Because the Bible says, as I said earlier... A righteous man, and our righteousness is based in Christ, not in ourselves. A righteous man falls seven times and he gets up again. Think about a child learning how to ride a bicycle. If they fall the first time and they say, forget it, I'm never going to get on that bike again. No, they get on with determination. I'm going to master this. I'm going to get on this bike. I'm going to try again. They might scrape their elbows. They might scrape their knees. They may get a little beat up in the process, but they're going to master it. Why? Because they're not going to quit. And then when they're riding that two-wheeler before long, look, Mom, no hand. Yeah. Have you ever done that? I bet Cody did that. Yeah. Look, Mom, no hands. <laughs> How many did that growing up as a child? Look, Mom, no hands. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm with you. I remember that. I may have said that prematurely because I think I had a wipeout after I said that. <laughs> yeah. A person who cannot be broken understands what Philippians 4.13 means. And what does Philippians 4.13 say? What does it say? It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, that's qualified. It's through Christ. I can endure anything. I can do anything through Christ. I can put up with anything. I can walk through whatever crisis I'm faced with because Christ is giving me strength. He is making me strong in the midst of this test or trial. See, God is wanting to show up in the most difficult time of your life, in the weakest moments of your life. He wants to show up and reveal himself to you. 
I want to show you just a quick comparison here as we move towards the close. Uh, refuge can be compared to a hospital. People come in hurting, right? They come in need of healing, attention, to receive physical care for their physical bodies, or, you know, um, maybe it's other issues, emotional uh, health they need. Uh, their lives are broken, they're hurting, they're sick and afflicted, but once they begin to recover, they join the staff of the hospital and then begin to offer care for those who come in. And so that's what a church is really supposed to be. <coughs> We're to be like a hospital, to welcome those that are in need of healing and help. And But once they get there, they receive what they need, they get strong, and then they become part of the team so that more can be reached within the community, within the world around them. See, we are stewards of refuge. And the assignment that God has given us, we're called to be a resource and equipping ministry where broken lives are made whole through an encounter with Jesus. My desire is that everyone that comes through these doors encounters the presence of God. Because I don't believe that there's no one that can't be reached if they simply just begin to open their heart to allow God to move inside. So determined to be a person who will not be broken and, and you know, standing united as a family. And I think that's a determination, that's a decision you need to make as part of our core values. Yes, I will be among this people who cannot be broken. Okay? I want to share another passage in Romans 5, and uh, actually Romans 8, 35, because it, it talks about being a conqueror. I'm looking at those that God has declared to be a conqueror. Romans 8, 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now, these are all horrible things. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want to pause there for a moment because it's one thing to be a conqueror. <coughs> it's another thing to be more than a conqueror. You know, when Muhammad Ali won the world championship for boxing. He's a conqueror, right? He comes home with his trophy. He comes home with his prize money. And he says, honey, this is all yours. Guess what? She's more than a conqueror. Why? Because she didn't have to fight to earn it. She just simply receives it. And so to be more than a conqueror, you need to receive it. You need to receive it based on what Jesus did for you. He won the championship. He won the crown. He won the trophy. He won the prize money. And now he shares that victory with you and me. Verse 37 goes on to say, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, For I am persuaded. See, you need to be persuaded as well. Apostle Paul is talking here, who wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but you need to be persuaded as he was. I'm persuaded that neither death, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, 
or things to come, not even your cousin or your mother-in-law, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No one can separate you from his love except you. But no one else, because it's your choice if you should separate yourself from the love of God. And I, I, do, not, I do not recommend making that choice. It's a bad choice. Now, what you go through in life is what makes you strong. And God is able to take your weakness and make it your strength. I want to close in this verse as the worship team comes up. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. <coughs> it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that for a moment. What areas does he give us victory over? Well, victory over this flesh and conquering temptation. Victory over the devil, freedom from his dominion in our life. A victory over fear, anxiety. A victory over sickness and disease. Victory over poverty and lack. Just add to that list whatever you need victory over. Jesus Christ, we give him thanks to God for the victory that he's provided for us. He's given us victory. <coughs> In Psalms 147.3, the scripture says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. As I said earlier, all of us come in broken. All of us have been broken down because of sin and its effect. It has ravaged our lives because of the fall of Adam and the sin that passed on to all of us, all of humanity, because of Adam's disobedience. But Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Luke 4.18, Jesus gets up in the temple, and he begins to preach, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting from the book of Isaiah, which was speaking about who he was in fulfilling this prophecy. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Again, <coughs> Jesus, when we open our hearts to him, our lives to him, will move you from a place of brokenness to a place of wholeness, unbrokenness, where you can be made whole again, where you can be made new again, where you can have a fresh start again. Ephesians 2.14 says that he himself, Jesus, broke down the middle wall that separated us from him with his own life, with his own sacrifice. He broke that down. I want you to bow your heads in this moment. And I want you to really ask the Lord, what are you saying to me through this message this morning? What are you speaking to me? Think about that for a moment. Because I want to extend an invitation to you. Maybe you're dealing with 
brokenness in your life. Maybe you have a broken heart because a relationship ended and it, it wasn't very pleasant. And it's left you empty. It's left you discouraged, confused, and in fear. Or maybe you're dealing with an ongoing addiction that seems you, you do good for a while, all of a sudden you get set back, and then you feel like you're a failure again, and your life is broken. There's anguish, there's pain. You don't feel worthy of God. You don't feel like you're good enough. Like, how could God forgive you? How could he accept you? Well, the fact is, he does because he loves you. And he already paid the sacrifice for every wrong that you've committed in life. And all he wants for you to do is respond to him and make room in your heart to let him come and take his rightful place. Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that lives in me. He wants to live in us when we open our heart to him. And maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never really opened up my heart to Jesus. I've never really heard a message like this and realized that I could receive Jesus, to receive his power in my life, to transform me, to change me, to heal me, to deliver me. Well, I have good news for you. Jesus is here to invade your life. And all you have to do is welcome him in. Say, Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm willing to surrender my heart to Jesus today and turn it over to him, I want you to lift your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray with me so I could receive Jesus, so I could receive his lordship, his forgiveness of sins? I see those hands. You can put them down. Let's stand together. We're going to pray this prayer together. And, and I, I say this, but I believe it's a prayer that we can pray. It's a believer's prayer to acknowledge our faith in Jesus of, of what he did for us and our acceptance of what he did for us to allow him to really take rightful ownership of our lives and be in the place where his power has the freedom to transform, to heal and deliver. So we can pray this prayer together, even if you prayed it before, but join with me and repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you and I put my trust in you. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins, to take my brokenness and make me whole again. Lord Jesus, I believe in you, that you died for me, that you rose from the dead to give me life. I accept you now. I receive you now. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender to you. I repent from all my sins. Forgive me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer sincerely, the Bible declares that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. When Christ is in us and we're in him, something supernatural happens. We can't explain it, but it's a God thing. Amen. I'm so excited. I'm so glad at the age of 17, I committed and surrendered my life to Jesus. My life has never been the same since. 
And I'm thrilled to be able to share his love and this message with you. And you go and share with others as well. And I just declare right now, over anyone that's dealing with brokenness in your life, because even as believers, we can come to those moments of brokenness and failure. And God wants to get you back on your feet. And I just declare over you, restoration. I take authority over condemnation. I take authority over every weight and sin that so easily besets you. And I pray that you have strength, God's power within, to infuse you with his strength to resist, overcome, to become a people that is unbroken. God bless you. We're going to worship God in a minute here. So, And there's going to be a prayer team up here too. If you raise your hand or if anyone has need of prayer, the prayer team will be available. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.